It is Chavcha Sivan, Tavshin Pei Bei is the 28th of Sivan, 5782. Here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, where this week's Parshan Chutzlaretz will be reading Parshas Korach. However, I'm going to be drawing all of our attention as well back to Parshas Shlach, and today's daf is going to be Yavamas Daf Kuf Yud Beis, that's Yavamas 112. Now, in order to truly understand Parshas Korach, we really need the context of Parshas Shlach. And that is because an argument that we made last year in Parsha Panorama, you can go back to the archives and listen to Parsha Panorama for Parsha's Korach, but one of the things that we suggested is that although according to some Rishonim, namely the Ibn Ezra, Parshas Korach is not historically where it belongs, and the Ibn Ezra latches on to the rule of Ein Muktimumuchar Torah, that the Torah is not bound by chronological order. However, according to the Ramban, and we're going to see very explicitly according to Rashi as well, Parshas Korach is exactly where it belongs, and that is because Korach's rebellion did not take place until after the Chet HaMaraglim, and there's a very particular reason for that. If you go back to the archives for Parsha Panorama, listen to Parshas Korach, you will hear exactly in full length and full elaboration how it is that the two are connected and why it was particularly at this point in time that Korach chose to launch his campaign, to launch his rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu. However, we will be focusing on one connection which we find in the rhetoric of none other than Dasan Ve'aviram. Um, the people that I would refer to as Korach's media, they were the rabble-rousers of Korach and the noisemakers who would trash-talk Moshe Rabbeinu and Two of the words that they say, lo na'ale, we will not go up. So in context, it's a very strange thing to say. And it's, it's, it was their way of saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, we're not going to come to you and do what you want. We're not going to do what you ask, but we are going to defy you. Now, Chazal pick up and Rashi points this out that they were unwittingly prophesying their downfall because, in fact, they would not go up, but they would literally fall down. They would descend to Gehenim with Korach when the, the ground would open up, as Moshe Rabbeinu promised. But what we've pointed out in the past is that Lo Na'ala takes on much greater significance when we consider the rhetoric of Kalev in last week's Parsha, because Kalev was the one who said the opposite, Alo Na'ala, we will indeed go up. In that context, Kalev was defying the Maranglim and saying that we are going to go into Eretz Yisrael. Now, this is relevant when we think about Dustin and Aviram's argument, who, when they, when they pointed out that Moshe Rabbeinu had taken them out of the Eretz Zavas they took Hashem's expression for Eretz Yisrael, they applied it to Egypt and said, Moshe Rabbeinu, you didn't take us to the land flowing with milk and honey, you took us out of the land flowing with milk and honey. So they are clearly harking back to the Chetam Araglim, and that's in fact what Rashi tells us, that they are picking up on the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu, under his watch, so to speak, the Chetam Araglim happened, and therefore they were not going to get to go into Eretz Yisrael. And so they are attacking Moshe for that at this particular point. Now the reason why this is fascinating and how it connects to our daf, Yivamas, Kufyud Beis, is that we find a very fascinating line in the Gemara in Yivamas, and it has to do with something that Kalev said in last week's Parsha. Now, it's not in Kalev's words explicitly in the Parsha, however, it's in a Rashi. And what Rashi tells us, back when Kalev says, Alona Ale, we will certainly go up. So Rashi points out, based on the Gemara in Sota, this can be found uh, in Sota on, on Lamed Hayam at Aleph, where when Kalev says we will certainly go up, 
So uh, the Gemara picks up on the fact that that Kalev is speaking specifically about the direction upwards. We will go upwards. And we said that when Dustin and Aviram said we will not be going upwards, so we found out that that meant that they would be going downwards. They would, they would be descending to Gehenim. So what, in effect, Kalev was saying in last week's Parsha, Parsha Shlach, and it is still Monday at the moment of this recording, so... Um, we can still uh, hark back to the parsha up until Tuesday, right? You could still say Havdalah at this point if you haven't yet. So in Parsha Shlach, when Kalev was saying, we will go up, not in the direction of Gehenna like Dustin and Aviram, but in the direction of Shemayim. And in fact, according to the Gemara, what Kalev was intimating was that if Hashem was demanding that we would literally go up to the heavens, then says Kalev, we would literally then build ladders and we would start our climb. Uh, that's what Kalev says. If we have to go up to Shemayim, if Shemayim would be the difference between, there would be the difference and the distance between us and Hashem, then we would bridge that gap. We would make the effort to do that. So the way that connects to our death, very interestingly, we find that the Gemara records three circumstances where a long time ago what they would used to do was they would, uh, the Beisden would force a divorce. They would force a couple to separate and allow the woman to take her ksuba. And one of the circumstances is where the woman will say in front of the Beisden about her husband, she would say, HaShemayim Beni Levenach. Shemayim is between me and you. If she says these, these words, Shemayim is between me and you, in other words, between me and my husband, then Beisden will um, force them to separate. So what exactly do these words mean? HaShemayim Beni Levenach. So the truth is, this is subject to debate in the Rishonim. Rashi says, It's revealed and known before you. You do not cleave to me. You do not attach yourself to me. You don't have a bond with me the way most people do with their spouses. There is no witness to testify, so heaven will testify. God is my witness you don't treat me the way a husband normally should treat his wife. And the way the Mepharshim understand Rashi is that Rashi is talking about how this man, apparently for one reason or another, does not engage in relations with his wife. He does not give her this basic conjugal right. And as we're going to see shortly, this Rashi appears to be based on a Yerushalmi in the Darim. And the basic understanding of this Rashi is that the woman is testifying that with heaven as her witness... So you mistreat me. You withhold um, basic rights to me. Tosos argues with Rashi, based on the Gemara and Nadarim and Bavli, Tzadi Aleph Amid Aleph. And Tosos doesn't like um, Rashi's explanation, but Tosos suggests alternatively that what, what, the, what the woman is testifying with, with heaven as her witness is She'eno Yora Kechetz. In other words, your seed doesn't eject like an arrow. She's describing her husband. When they have relations, he does not provide... Um, efficient seed, and it has to, apparently the, the direction and the, the, the form is that the seed should shoot like an arrow. That's the only way to be able to produce children. And she's saying that this man is incapable of providing her children. That's what she's testifying. And this is what she's suggesting based on the, um, based on how Rashi, how Tosus explains, based on that Gemara in Nadar. So again, according to Rashi, this man does not give his wife proper um, conjugal rights. According to Tosfos, this man does not provide um, children to the woman. Now very shortly, we're going to see the significance of the line of Shemayim and how it relates to our Parshios. 
But before we do, let's just keep going a little bit in the Gemara. The Gemara says that originally they would force such a couple to divorce if the woman would come to Bezin and say, make such a statement, such a brazen statement about her husband. So they, they would assume that she was telling the truth, and Bezin would see to it that these people um, um, separate. However, after time, the Gemara says, Bezdin stopped forcing the divorce, but instead, the Gemara says, Ya'asu derech bakasha. They would do, they would engage in the way of bakasha, they would make a request. So what exactly was the nature of this request? What would they request from her? So according to Rashi, Rashi says, they would request what? They would ask, they would request that the husband, um, um, he should act, he should accustom himself with her amid hagyafa. He should treat her properly, treat her right. Pashup Shah, you might say that this means that he should be nice to her. If she's feeling that, he, that she's being mistreated, so she, he should treat her well. The Hagos Habach um, just points out here what he means is that, according to what Rashi said earlier, this man should give his woman the conjugal rights that he owes her. That's how the Hagos Habach reads it. However, if you look at the Lakute Rashi, Lakute Rashi, based on the Gemara Nadarim, says no, not that he should treat her right and give her the relations. He should treat her right, and he should he should be a mensch and give her a divorce. If he's not going to be able to do what he needs to do to provide conjugal rights, then he should rightfully let this woman go. Give her a divorce, and that's it. But they wouldn't force it. They would request that he do the right thing, just give this woman um, her get, let her go. That's um, um, uh, the two different ways of understanding Rashi. However, the Rabbeinu Hananel, um, based on the Rishalmi, says something very fascinating that, uh, that, um, and also based on the Gemara Nadarim, um, that what Bezdin requests is that they make a Sa'uda. That you should make a Sa'uda for your wife, you should appease her. And this was an Eitzat Tova, a, um, a good counsel that they would advise them. Apparently, if this woman, for whatever reason, is saying, Shemaim is between us, so they say, you know, you should have a festive Sa'uda, you guys should go, go out on a date and, you know, make things right. And we're going to see why this is a, a you know a very fascinating um, response from Bezdin. But before we do, we have one more way to understand this line of the Gemara. Yasi Bakasha. We saw three so far, three interpretations. One, you should treat her right and give her the relations. You should treat her right and give her a divorce. Or you should make a seuda and you should you know go out on a date and you should um, you should become reacquainted and, and and enjoy each other's company once again. The fourth explanation we have Tosos quoting the Rabbeinu Tam. So Tosa says that they should daven for them, that the Bezdin would literally make a bakasha on their behalf, that they should have children. This is Tosos going in line with what he said earlier, that the problem was not about how he was treating her, but the problem was about his, um, his ability, his capacity to provide children for this woman. And since he apparently wasn't doing that, so uh, Bezdin will now daven on their behalf. Very, very interesting. However, Going back to what we had suggested earlier, so based on the Rishami and based on the Lakute Rashi, the Lakute Rashi just adds, um, and perhaps to help Rashi, because again, Tosos rejected Rashi's explanation because Rashi seems to be ignoring the, the, the Bavli and Nadarim. However, the Yerushalmi says the Lakute Rashi fits in light with another Agadic, another um, Agadic Gemara or Agadic statement that we find about Sarah Imenu and Avraham. 
where Sarah Imenu says to Avraham that Shemayim will testify between me and you, Hashem will stand, Eid Beini Beinicha. And um, although Chazal look at Sarah in a bad light for this, they say this is the reason why Sarah passed away earlier, but this was a, a statement that Sarah made when Avraham had um, been uh, put together with Hagar in a union by Sarah Imenu herself, and of course Hagar um, was disrespectful to Sarah, and so Sarah is now taking it out on Avraham, and she uses the Lashon that Shemaim is between me and you. And so uh, clearly the Gemara here, even though you couldn't argue um, that this statement uh, from Sarah um, had to do with whether or not they were able to have children, however, the Lukuthi Rashi explains what Sarah was really saying was that at this point in our marriage, there is a distance, a distance between us. There is a rechuk, and that rechuk is the distance between Shemayim and Aretz. As Shemayim is to Aretz, Avraham, you and I have become very apart from each other. Um, Rahman al-Litzlan, this is how Lukuthi Rashi is explaining it. And if you consider that, what we're suggesting now is that, yeah, you know, we should make an effort to come back together, the husband and the wife. They should, they should have a su'uda. They should enjoy each other's company. And this will appease the woman, you know, if, and, and hopefully this will appease the relationship overall, that whatever he's not providing for her, he'll be able to provide for her when they reunite. Now, the reason why this is a very beautiful connection to our parsha is that Kalev is suggesting that even if the distance between us and Hashem is the distance between Shemayim and Aretz, we're going to build a ladder. We are going to bridge the gap no matter what. And this, I would say for sure, is the responsibility of any couple who's who's suffering with, from Shalom bias. There's something wrong with the marriage. You know what? If we have to be willing to build the ladder, to build the bridge, to do whatever we can to create shalom between Ishvi Ishto. And this was something that um, Korach, in his Machlokas, Dustin and Aviram, they're mixing in with the Machlokas. Clearly, they were going in the opposite direction, not just from up to down, but from being uh, from being together, from Kiruv um, to, to Rechuk, to Pirud, to separation, to Machlokas. The, the, the very fire that we do not want there to be between Ishvi Ishto and between members of Klan Yisrael and between us and Hashem, that was being created um, um, by, by Dasan Aviram and the, um, the likes of Karach as well. But if we follow the model of Kalev, the model of building that ladder, even if we have to literally build that ladder to climb up to Shemayim, if, if it should happen, that Chas V'Shalom, Rachman Al-Tzan, the distance between a husband and wife is the distance between Shemayim and Aretz, right? Shemayim stands between me and you, then we have to engage in that Derech Bakasha, whatever we can, to, whether it's, the, whether the issue is their wait, awaiting Zarachai Vakayama, they can't have children, and that's what's creating a separation between them, or whether it's that, for whatever reason, one reason or another, they're not engaging in the relations that would make them whole, that, that would create shalom between them. As Hashem, we do whatever we can to make sure that there's shalom, once again, between Ish Ishto, Ish Lireyehu, and Shalom Al Yisrael, and of course, the, the shalom between us and the Kaddish Baruch Hu. We should be Zocha to bridge that gap and to have that Shalom Bezras Hashem. Thank you for joining us here at the database.